Due to the extreme nature of this program, listeners' discretion is advised. The subject matters may include topics of substance usage, sex, foul language, and references to historical events that may be sensitive to some listeners. Things discussed may not be considered politically correct in this overly sensitive environment. They may not be appropriate for listeners under the age of 13. As well as some listeners, no matter the age, may find things offensive. Again, listener discretion is advised. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to GXO, another episode of Generation Extraordinary, the podcast nobody asked for. Focusing on everything pop culture from the greatest generation ever, Generation X. So if it happened between 1960 and 1999, you darn right, we're going to talk about it, like movies, music, TV, and even a bit of history from that year. Who knows, you may just learn something before we're done, and if you're lucky, this old man just may regale you with a story or two. I'm Robert Pop, coming to you from beautiful Podunk, Nebraska. This portion of the show is brought to you by Schlitt-Faced Beer. It'll fuck you up, guaranteed. You've had the best. Now try what's left. Schlitt-Faced. Our beer doesn't even claim to taste good. However, if you're strapped for cash and you need a beer or two that you can afford while still wanting to get so messed up that bad decisions are a given, then pick up a can or two of Schlitt-Faced. At 47.3% alcohol, it's guaranteed to mess you up. It might taste really funky, but who really drinks beer for the taste anyway? You drink it to get wrecked. When you say Schlitt-Faced, that pretty much says it all. Schlitt-Faced warns with this high level of alcohol, do not consume more than two in a 60-minute time frame, unless you really want to. Drinking Schlitt-Faced may result in blindness, erectile dysfunction, and possible anal leakage. And remember, if you'd like to learn one of life's most valuable secrets, just send $20 to the announcer in care of this station. And by return mail, you'll receive your very own copy of the exciting one-and-a-half-page book entitled Why You Should Never Send Some Guy 20 Bucks Just Because He Asks You To Over the Radio. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to another episode of GXO, Generation Extraordinary, the podcast nobody asked for. Today, we are going to be talking about one of the creepiest kid shows ever made in the 1969 is going to be our target year for that year. So, as I set my numbers here into my time machine, and we are, whoa, whisked back to 1969, dude. We're going to talk about the top headlines. So starting out, the leaders in the world were Leonid Brezhnev in the Soviet Union. And then we had dickhead Lyndon B. Johnson until we got a real dick in the, uh, in the White House, Richard Nixon. And by the way, I do have to say that one of my greatest memes that I've ever made is called a dick pic. And I will send people the picture of Richard Nixon. I just think that's fucking hilarious. So, 
I have a wist, I have a very twisted, warped sense of humor. In the United Kingdom, Harold Wilson was prime minister. The top headlines that we had going on, the first man landed on the moon in 1969 on the Apollo 11 mission by the United States. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin became the first humans to ever set foot on the moon. And the famous words, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, will become a part of our history forever. By the way, I do want to comment. I just read where India had a soft landing on the moon last week. And uh, I'm recording this on October, on August 26th, 2023. So that's pretty cool. I guess I never, ever even thought of India ever being a part of the space race type of stuff. So Woodstock attract more than 350,000 rock and roll fans. And although, and I know I've said it before, man, I would have just, you know, that would have been quite a concert. But I also would have known to put mentholatum right underneath my nose. Because can you imagine you have three or four days out there where you got people doing all kinds of drugs, just going to the bathroom wherever they want because there was no blue porta potties at the time. And nobody was showering. So you got hippies. You got the smell of patchouli oil, you got the smell of ditch weed, and you got the smell of shit. All attracting. Um, yeah, that's wow. That uh that just does not make me want to go there. So Atlanta International Pop Festival on July 4th, that attracted a hundred thousand people. The Isle of Wight Festival attracted an audience of approximately 150,000 people. And the Beatles, ugh, God, I hate the Beatles. I think they're so fucking overrated. I really do. I just, I don't, yeah, were they talented? Yes. Do I think that they are the be-all and end-all of, of ever any kind of music? No. But the Beatles did record their final album together, Abbey Road. The first communications are sent through the ARP Ant, and that was on October 29th, 1969, um, and I know I'm probably saying it wrong, but uh, ARP Ant was um, that was the precursor to the to the internet. That was um, basically it was the first email that ever went out. 1969. That's that's amazing. And then the weird thing was is it was from some prince in Niobe wanting to give you a million dollars. So that's kind of fucked up. Uh, the U.S. Air Force closed its Project Blue Book saying that there was no evidence of ufos gentlemen you can go to hell for lying as well keep that in mind the united states ussr and about a hundred other countries signed the nuclear non-proliferation treaty the npt russian and chinese troops clash along the usiri river 27 year old colonel momor Gaddafi. God, I remember this little prick in the 80s. Uh, you try and cross my no, you try and cross my border, I'd kill you. Ahmed the dead terrorist that Jeff Dunham does is a perfect depiction of Muammar Gaddafi. That's all there is to it. He deposed King Idris of Libya and established a pro-Arabic anti-Western Islamic Republic. So there you go. A Rolling Stones fan is killed at the group's 
Altamont, California concert by members of the Hells Angels. Goldemir of Milwaukee becomes the Prime Minister of Israel. Well, that's kind of cool. Public Broadcasting Service was established, PBS, um, and I believe that Sesame Street was on it from the very beginning, as I believe Mr. Rogers as well. So, Chappaquiddick Affair, Senator Edward Kennedy drives a car, plunges it into the pond, and walks away from it while the Lady Mary Jo Kopchini was drowned, and he got a two-month suspended sentence. For leaving the scene of a fatal accident. Anybody other than with the last name Kennedy. Probably still be sitting in prison. But you know. They all knew old Teddy was a fuck up. So not a fan of Kennedy's. Not a fan. Not a fan. Robin Knox Johnson becomes the first person to sail around the world solo without stopping. I've said it before. Claims like that. If you're going to tell me you sailed around at the equator. That's a fucking accomplishment. But if you went to the North Pole or the South Pole and you just kind of made a big circle around Magnetic North or Magnetic South, not a big deal. Fuck, I can do that here in my apartment. What else did we have go on that year? Oh, Charles Manson murdered five people. Well, he didn't. Members of his cult murdered five people. Sharon Tate. And it's a shame that Sharon Tate died because I think... Had she seen how big of a puke Robin Polanski was, she would have just she had just dropped his ass like a hot potato. Because if you don't know about Roman Polanski, he fled the United States after allegations, allegations, it will say allegations, um, where he had been sexually active with teenage and preteen girls. God, what a puke. I hate fucking Roman Polanski. Charles de Gaulle, he resigned as French president. And Stanley versus Georgia in the Supreme Court ruled declaring that the state of Georgia or any state may not prohibit mere possession of obscene materials for personal use. So there you go. That is one thing that the Supreme Court gave us is porn for days. So as long as we just use it for ourselves. Notable deaths that year, Dwight D. Eisenhower and Joe Kennedy. If you ask me, it, Joe was dead before Teddy's incident. However, yeah, I don't know. Top five songs in the U.S. Sugar Sugar by the Archies. Aquarius, Let the Sunshine In by the Fifth Dimension. I like the Fifth Dimension, but you know, that is not one of my favorite songs from them. Crimson and Clover by Tommy James and the Shondells not a fan of that song i ugh, i just have never been a fan of uh i'm really not a fan of tommy james so i don't know why honky tonk women by the rolling stones and get back by the beatles with billy preston top five songs in the uk sugar sugar by the archies get back by the beatles honky tonk woman by the rolling stones where do you go to by peter sardet and I Heard It Through the Grapevine by the amazing and wonderful, talented, only one-of-a-kind Marvin Gaye. Top five songs on the R&B, I Want You Back by the Jackson 5. I Can't Get Next to You by the Temptations. Someday We'll Be Together by Diana Ross and the Supremes. Can I Change My Mind by Tyrone Davis. And What Does It Take by 
J.R. Walker and the All-Stars. Top five songs on the rock chart. Uh, we had the Jackson 5, I Want You Back. I don't know that I would call that rock. Man, some of these, and this is all right from the Billboard top charts. So, wow. Elvis Presley, Suspicious Minds. Beatles Come Together, Jerry Butler, Only the Strong Survive, and Creedence Clearwater Revival, CCR, Bad Moon Rising. That would be the only one out of that entire list that I would consider rock and roll. Wow. But in the 60s, they had a little different uh, aspect of it. So I guess pop and rock were kind of in the same boat. Top five songs on the country chart. I'm So Afraid of Losing You Again by Charlie Pride. Love Charlie Pratt. I saw him in concert. A Week in a County Jail by Tom T. Hall. Saw him in concert. Great artist. Great song. Love that song. He was really a storyteller. I like that. I like that type of song. Especially in country music. A World Called You by David Rogers. April's Fool by Ray Price. Saw Ray Price in concert. He was actually put on a really good geriatric tour back in the uh, late 80s. Baby Baby. I Know You're a Lady by David Houston. Top one-hit wonders. Again, as a reminder, these are the artists that only had one top ten hit which charted during that decade. It does include pop, R&B, country, and rock. So, we had In the Year 2525 by Zager and Evans. That was on the pop charts. And that is a really cool song. It's very... Um, out there something in the air by thunderclap newman don't think i've ever heard that song oh happy day by edwin hawkins singers it's a good song color him father by the winstons and the israelites and i gotta say i love that song it's very very obscure but it's it's a good song well here i'll play just a little bit of it In the bookstores, we had The Very Hungry Caterpillar, The Godfather, The Andromeda Strain, Dune Messiah, Master and Commander, What to Expect When You're Expecting, Rich Man, Poor Man, and Bears on Wheels. Uh, yeah, on the crime beat, we had a hijacking February 3rd where uh, East Airlines, Eastern Airlines flight from Newark to Miami was hijacked by two Cuban nationalists who wanted it to go to Cuba. Uh, on, the, on November 10th, 1969, the youngest American on record to attempt a hijacking when a Delta Airline flight en route from Cincinnati to Chicago was hijacked by 14-year-old David Booth. Um, also in 1969, on March 25th, Luis Antonio Freeze, he hijacked the Delta Airline from Dallas to Havana. Jane Lauren Albert, she was a... A uh, former far-left radical who conspired in the bombings of eight government and commercial office buildings in New York. 
All right, the boy in the box. When deputy sheriffs arrived at Solar Ranch, they found six-year-old Anthony Saul Gibbons sitting inside a six-foot-by-six-foot box with a chain padlocked to his left leg and attached to a heavy metal plate. Wow. Jane Britton, the cause of death to be found by blunt force trauma blow to the head, she had also been raped. Albert DeSalvio reportedly confessed to raping and murdering another woman who lived in the same building. So following his arrest as the Boston Strangler several years earlier, but you know, doubts remain to whether he actually committed all the link or all the murders that uh, that he said that he did. Because you know, why wouldn't he lie? He's a murderer. So there you go. Donald Martin Lambright was traveling along the Pennsylvania Turnpike when he went on a shooting spree. Reportedly, he injured 16 and killed four, including his wife, before turning one of the rifles he had on himself. Serial killers. Now, again, I want to remind you that this is now when they start, not just the the serial killers from the golden age of serial killing. So. We had, in 1969, Leroy Snyder. He had seven victims, and uh, he was active in the Camden, New Jersey area. Mark Allen Smith, he had 12 or more victims. Uh, He was active just for 69 and 70, so he was busy. Uh, He was convicted of killing at least four women in Illinois and Arkansas, claimed in his book to have murdered eight women while stationed in Germany. Book. Yes, you heard me right. In his book. (sighs) Maybe if they didn't make it like a country club. I don't know. Gary Grant, he had four victims. Uh, He killed three children and young women in Washington State. Carl F. Werner, he murdered teenage girls in the Santa Clara County, California. He had three of them. George Fitzsimmons. Had four victims. This guy was known as the Karate Chop Killer. Mental patient who killed his parents in New York and then was released and killed his aunt and uncle in Pennsylvania. Why why the fuck did they ever release him? Gerard John Schaefer. He uh, He had 34 victims. He was imprisoned in 73 for the murders of two women while he was a sheriff's deputy. Sheriff's deputy in Martin County, Florida. Yes, you heard me. Sheriff's deputy. Michael Sumpner, uh, he had three victims, raped and murdered women in the Boston area. Winford Stokes, he had three victims. He was a criminal. He was a career criminal and prison escapee who murdered people in the St. Louis area. And if you've ever been to St. Louis, You don't find that hard to believe, especially if you end up on the wrong side of the road when you're trying to get to the golden or to the golden arch. Yeah, because I was going to fucking McDonald's to the to the archway. Gerald Stano, 41 victims or more, and his guilt has been questioned. I imagine they have. Donald Beardsley. Had three victims, murdered a woman in Missouri, paroled, later murdered two more women on separate occasions in California. Joe Michael Irvin 
had six victims. He shot and killed a police officer in Denver, Colorado, while avoiding a murder warrant in Texas. Posthumously, he was linked to four additional murders in the Denver metro area. Stephen Morin, 48 or more victims, suspect in over 30 unsolved violent crimes across the country. Charles Ray Hatcher, 16 victims, convicted of two child murders in 78 and in 82, also stabbed to death a fellow inmate and another man 20 years apart. Joseph Atkins, three victims. He murdered his half-brother, paroled, and then later murdered his adopted father and a neighboring couple's daughter during a drunken shooting spree. Douglas Franklin Wright, seven or more, he was the first criminal to be executed by lethal injection in Oregon. Uh, Charles Wooten, three or more victims, killed two gas station attendants in Fort Worth during robberies. He was then paroled and then later killed his father during an argument. Reginald McFadden had four or more victims. Murdered an elderly woman as a teenager. Later paroled and killed at least two people during a crime spree. His case greatly affected the parole system in both Pennsylvania and New York. And again, reminder, these killers started in our target year. So keep that in mind. In the movie theater, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, probably one of the worst James Bond actors, in my opinion, until Timothy Dalton. George Lazenby. God, I could not stand him. And the only reason why they even cast him was because Connery was busy doing something else. Midnight Cowboy. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Easy Rider. True Grit. The Wild Bunch. The Italian Job. Paint Your Wagon. Hello, Dolly. Pippi Longstocking. Support Your Local Sheriff. And a boy named Charlie Brown. On Broadway, we had 1776, as we had that episode some time ago. And Oklahoma. Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. Yes, I like Oklahoma. I really do. Uh, On TV, we had... I really want somebody to debate me on this. The Brady Bunch. I did not like the Bradys. I was a Partridge Family guy. I thought the girls were much hotter. I thought the storyline was much more believable. It just, to me, it just made more sense. But yeah, you know, if you're out there and you really just are a Brady fan, I invite you, send me an email, um, drop me a line through the website that I want to have you on as a guest, and let's debate why the Bradys, in your opinion, are better than than the Partridges, and I'll debate why. I think the Brady's suck ass. So, Sesame Street, and that's where Kermit the Frog got started. Uh, Scooby-Doo, Scooby, where are you? We're over here. I do a really bad Shaggy and Scooby. And you think that, yeah, okay, so now later on, we're going to make, we're going to make, find out about drug references. You think Scooby-Doo was a drug reference? Scooby-Dooby? Where are you, Shaggy? Oh, fuck. I mean, he was he was stoned all the time. And that's the reason why they were always in the kitchen, because they had the fucking munchies. Man. Night Gallery, 
that is actually a really good i like night gallery that was for the 60s that was a really good scary show love american style never did care for that monty python's flying circus and now for something completely different i love monty python as i mentioned oh, a few weeks ago a few weeks back when i talked about uh my favorite british comedies such as benny hill uh, where I was introduced to those, Monty Python was a part of that, and that was all on PBS. So thank you, Public Broadcasting, uh, because you enlightened me to the comedy sketchings of Monty Python. So thank you. Hee Haw, I still like watching me some Hee Haw. I just do. I, you know, the Hee Haw honeys and some of the corny jokes. I just, I love it. Marcus Welby, MD. The Pink Panther Show, the cartoon Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the Bill Cosby Show, this was before he was drugging anybody, and the Ant and the Aardvark. And of course, today, also on TV, we're going to talk about HR Puffin stuff, so stick around. This portion of the show is brought to you by Anal Tech. On the whole, we've got your ass covered. Hi, I'm Willie Shark. You may know me from hit comedies such as Pals, The Workplace, and 1422 Sycamore, where I always play the guy in the background who waves and holds a cup of coffee. But today, I want to talk to you about something serious. It's the lack of your bodily functions. As we get older, our bodies start to break down. The muscles in our lower extremities get weaker, either from pregnancy, hemorrhoids, or a prolapsed rectum. But you don't have to be embarrassed anymore. It's the uh-oh undies. Keep a pair in the glove box, just in case you get stuck in traffic. Keep a pair in your desk, in case crap occurs at work. And ladies, keep a pair in your purse when you just can't trust that fart. And they look and feel just like those brand name adult diapers. They're so absorbent. It states on the label 10 to 12 pounds, but myself, I've gotten 23 pounds in those suckers. Oh my. More than once. Getting old sucks, but if we stick together, we can get through it. I'm Willie Shart, and I'm pulling for you, because I've been there myself. The Uh Oh Undies available at fine retailers everywhere, usually located in the incontinence aisle as well as near the paper towels. The views and opinions expressed are just that, Rob's views and opinions. He may not always be politically correct, and they may not match up with your opinions. Please believe it is not his intention to offend anyone. Hopefully you find the show entertaining and informative as well. Please note, Rob is not a professional historian, but he's done a lot of research for this show. And with that being said, mistakes happen, but he will do his best to minimize those. Keep in mind, he's just some nut with a microphone. All right, welcome back from that break. And as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about one of the creepiest kids shows of the 60s and early 70s. So, without further ado... H.R. Puffin' Step, push your bend when things get rough. H.R. Puffin' Step, can't do a little because you can't do enough. Once upon a summertime, just a dream from yesterday, a boy and his man. Golden flute, heard a boat from on the bay. Come and play with me, Jimmy, come and play with me, and I will take you on a trip far across the sea. A 
boat belonged to a kooky old witch who had in mind the flute to snitch. From her broom broom in the sky, she watched her plans materialize. She waved her wand, the beautiful boat was gone. The skies grew dark, the sea grew rough, and the boat sailed on and on and on and on and on and on. But Puffin Stuff was watching too and knew exactly what to do. He saw the witch's boat attack, and as the boy was fighting back, he called his rescue racer crew as often they'd rehearsed. And off to save the boy they flew. But who would get there first? But now the boy had washed ashore. Puff arrived to save the day, which made the witch so mad and sore. She shook her fist and screamed away. Okay, that uh, that kind of sums up the entirety of the, what the show's premise is. So HR Puff and Stuff was a children's television program produced by the Croft brothers, Sid and Marty. They uh, they used life-size puppets in this program, and that doesn't include their previous work with Hanna-Barbera uh, with the program The Banana Splits. That was creepy, too. Uh, they, they had 17 episodes that were originally broadcast Saturday mornings from September 6th, 1969 to December 27th, 1969. The fast food chain McDonald's later plagiarized the series concept for its long-running advertised campaign, McDonaldland, and the company was successfully sued by the Croft Brothers for copyright infringement. So I guess if you guys remember Grimace and the Hamburglar and the Fry Guys, yeah. So they stole that idea from the Croft Brothers and they got sued. And the Croft Brothers actually won. The Crofts created the H.R. Puffin Stuff character for the Hemisphere 1968 World's Fair, where they produced a show called the Kaleidoscope for the Coca-Cola Pavilion. The character's name was Luther and became the mascot for the fair. H.R. Puffin Stuff introduced the Croft's most used plot scenario of a fairy tale of good versus evil as well as their second plot scenario of The Stranger in Strangerland. The show centered on a shipwrecked boy named Jimmy, played by teenager actor Jack Wilde. He was 11 years old when he arrived on the island and turns 12 in the episode called The Birthday Party. Jimmy and a talking flute named Freddy take a ride on a mysterious boat but the boat actually owned by a wicked witch named Wilhelmina W. Witchy-Poo, played by Billy Hayes, who rode on a broomstick vehicle called the Vroom Broom. <laughs> yeah, and I just got to interject here. Witchy-Poo just fucked with me. I mean, Witchy-Poo to me is just as fucking creepy as the Wicked Witch of the East in the Wizard of Oz. And there's, oh my God, yes. Witchy Poo just fucked with me. 
She used the boat to lure Jimmy and Freddie to her castle on Living Island, where she was going to take Jimmy prisoner and steal Freddie the flute for her own purposes. The mayor of Living Land was a friendly but helpful dragon. God, I just never realized he was a dragon. Named H.R. Puffin Stuff. The dragon rescued Jimmy and protected him from Witchy Poo, as his cave was the only place where her magic had no effect. Everything was alive on the island, including the houses, boats, clocks, candles, and so on and so forth. Jimmy, as I said, portrayed by Jack Wilde, a young English human who was lured to Living Island by an enchanted boat, Witchy Poo controlled the boat with the aim of stealing Jimmy's flute, Freddy. Then you had H.R. Puff and Stuff, who was the friendly dragon and was the mayor of Living Land. Freddy the Flute, voiced by Joan Gerber, a magic flute who talked that is owned by Jimmy, he is often targeted by Witchy Poo. Cling and Clang, two short, mute Keystone cops who work for H.R. Puff and Stuff as his rescue racer crew. Cling wears red and Clang wears green, although they appear vaguely animal-like with their beaked faces and furry three-toed feet. The Crofts have said that they are actually bells, hence their names, Cling and Clang. Wilhelmina Witchypoo, portrayed by Billy Hayes, is the primary antagonist for the series. A wicked but ineffective witch who has been targeting Freddy the Flute to use for her own agendas. She rides that large rocket-powered broom with a steering wheel called the Vroom Broom. She is cruel to everyone around her, even her henchmen, whom she's constantly waxed with her wand. Yet, when faced with failure, she usually starts to pity herself by asking, Why me? The Croft brothers have responded to several interviews to the popular beliefs that the subtle recreational drug references of the show exist. For example, the title character's name, Puffin Stuff, has been interpreted as a reference to smoking a hand-rolled HR marijuana cigarette Puffin Stuff. Marty Croft has said that the initials HR stands for Royal Highness, but backwards, so that doesn't make any fucking sense. So, man, Marty pulled that one out of his ass, like, during an interview. The show's theme song lyric, he can't do a little because he can't do enough, has been read as referencing the addiction to the to uh, to the addictive nature of drugs puff and stuff has quotes like whoa dude and other quote hard quote hippie slang words lenny weenrib the show's head writer and the voice of puff and stuff has said i think fans gave it a kind of a mysterious code like meaning like Ah, was Puffin Stuff Puffin Stuff? Like grass? Was it psychedelic? Was it drug-oriented? Not to us, it wasn't. You know, you can go to hell for lying, too. Just saying. In a 2000 interview, Marty Croft answered the question by saying, 
The Croft look has a lot of color, but there were no drug connotations in the show. He did address the topic at length in an interview with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch in 2004. In response to the question, okay, let's get this right out in the open. Is HR Puff and Stuff one big giant weed reference? We've heard the stories for 35 years. We did not intentionally do anything related to drugs in the story. People thought we were on drugs. You can't do good television while on drugs. People never believe you when you say that, but you can't. The shows were bright and spacey looking. They may have lent themselves to the culture of the time, but we didn't ascribe that meaning to them. And I can't speak to what adults were doing when they were watching the shows. We just set out to make a quality children's program. That was from Marty Croft. Authors of books on the show and its contemporaries, however, have not always accepted the Croft's alternative explanations for apparent references to drugs. David Martindale, author of Puff and Stuff and Other Stuff, maintains the Croft's desire to attract an audience who are now parents of impressionable children pushes them off to downplay the double entendres. Quote, but to deny it, the show loses some of its mystique. End quote. The Crofts do prefer to remain playfully vague on this. Martindale said in another interview that he fully believes Marty Croft's insistence that he did not use drugs, especially given that Marty's focus was that of a businessman. But Martindale described Sid Croft as a, quote, big kid and, quote, a hippie, saying, quote, his comment when I told him we were going to do a book was, and I quote, oh, far out, end quote. He says these shows didn't come from smoking just a little pot. And you could say, oh, yeah, it comes from smoking a lot of pot. But I think that it was very deliberately doing double meaning so the show could amuse people on different levels. You know, I would agree with that. You know, why deny it? We're past that. You know, we have kids that are identifying as cats. Uh, so whatever, you know, that the whole, oh, yeah, we can't watch this because it was all about drugs. Fuck it. You know what? Just admit to it. Kevin Burke, co-author of Saturday Morning Fever, growing up with the cartoon culture, argues that the, quote, consistency of thought, end quote, in the rumors of drug references has a basis. Although his co-author and brother, Timothy Burke, a history professor at Swarmore College, insists human beings are capable of achieving hallucinatory heights without chemical assistance. Contradicting his own position, Marty Croft has neither admitted nor hinted in occasional interviews that the references were made knowingly. In one case, a writer reported that when he pressed as to the connotation of, quote, lids in the title of Lidsville, well, maybe we just had a good sense of humor, Croft said laughing. His comments to another interviewer were more direct in a Times Union profile whose author observed, Watching the shows today, it's hard to imagine a show with more wink and nod allusions to the pot culture. 
short of something featuring characters named Spliffy and Bongo. Croft conceded that the show's title had been an intentional marijuana reference, as had Lidsville. But that was just a prank to see if they could get it past the clueless NBC executives. I love that. That is absolutely that that is that is up your ass to the man, you know? And maybe the reason why he lied about Oh, no, we didn't do that. Maybe they were still receiving royalty checks from NBC. Maybe if it was drug-related, that that, uh, that that gravy train would stop. So when we come back, I want to give you my take and how this show has haunted my nightmares for many, many, many years. So stick around. The following public service announcement is brought to you by the Empty Nesting Foundation and Fathers Against Freeloaders. Hi. I'm Willie Shart. You may know me from hit comedies such as Pals, The Workplace, and 1422 Sycamore, where I always play the guy in the background who waves and holds a cup of coffee. But today, I want to talk to you about something serious. It's something that's destroying our homes from the inside out. No, I'm not talking about termites or even black mold, although it's just as serious, if not more. It's your grown-ass millennial kids who are still living at home and sponging off of you because you're letting them. These mooches are the leading cause of divorce in Gen Xers. Because inevitably, one parent wants them gone while the other keeps giving in. It's time for some tough love. And here's some helpful tips. Set a time frame for them to move out. Make them pay rent, but a real rent, like what an apartment in your area with utilities pays charge. Because that's what you are. None of this hundred bucks a month bullshit. And make them pay for groceries. If they don't want to do it willingly, then the next time you go to the store, ask them to go with you. And at the check stand, claim to have forgotten your wallet. A millennial hates to be embarrassed, especially by their parent. So nine times out of ten, they will cough up the dough. It's going to be tough. And your grown child may throw a fit like they did when they were five, when they were in Walmart and did not get their toy. But stay strong. It's hard to hear, but in reality, you created this mess. Now it's time for you to fix it. It's time to show those little bastards it's no more Generation Me. If we start making their living conditions as shitty as our parents did for us, they won't be able to move out fast enough. I'm Willie Short. And remember, I'm pulling for you because I've been there myself. This has been a public service announcement brought to you by the Empty Nesting Foundation and Fathers Against Freeloaders. Are you tired of your grown-ass children mooching off of you in the name of saving money? Do you long for the empty nest? We can help. Hi, I'm Buster Hyman, owner of TTG. TTG is the 47th leader out of 50 in home security systems, now offering complete millennial deterrent packages in every budget. The basic package is as simple as randomly resetting your internet password. We all know if those millennials and Gen Zs can't watch their TikTok videos, they'll go somewhere they can. For the more resilient moocher, the medium package includes everything in the basic package, but also adds locks to the cabinets and the refrigerator, and a bioscanner for the use of the electricity, limiting any unauthorized user to only two hours a week. And finally, for the one who refuses to go no matter what, our complete package includes everything we've already talked about. Plus, we will text your moocher and tell them they have won the newest video game system or tickets to a sold-out concert, which they want to see, whichever works better to get them out of the house. Next, our team will come in and change the locks. 
Put up bars on the windows and set up a motion-sensing laser deterrent system. And if you call in the next 20 minutes, we'll also haul all their shit outside and put it in the street at no additional charge. So take advantage of this special offer and contact the security advisor today. Yeah, we might be a little bit more than other security companies, but it's a lot cheaper than your leech sucking your retirement drive before they move out. Remember, TTG stands for time to go. Call 1-438-843-3688 or get the F out. Any claims of time travel are purely fictitious and are only meant for entertainment. And honestly, if you believe he can travel through time, I have only one question for you. What the hell is wrong with you? All right, welcome back from that break. So, HR Puff and stuff. You know, I have tried to go back and watch it out of nostalgia because I remember watching it as a kid and even though it ran just a short time after I, for, I was a year old, I remember it being on reruns and I tried to watch it and I'm gonna tell you what, I shouldn't have because Billy Hayes as Witchy Poo has fucked with me so many times. I don't know where the trauma came with that, but holy crap, I'm gonna tell you that it just feels wrong for me to see this character and the only other time i've ever really felt that way as i mentioned earlier was the wicked witch of the east where oh god i'm drawing a blank on her name that played her but she also did the maxwell house commercials mrs olsen she did reprise her role as uh the wicked witch and with uh witchy poo on Sesame Street. Are you trying to fuck with kids? I really think they were. I mean, my God, these are not lovable characters. Maybe that's the reason why I cannot wrap my head around women who go crazy with their eye shadow because that's exactly the way they did Witchy Poo. Um, now, looking at it from a drug-induced yeah, I could see where this show had a lot of appeal because it was colorful. I mean, if you were if you were tripping on acid, shrooms, quaaludes, pot, didn't matter. Man, this 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 show could keep you from going on a bad trip and stumbling on the way back. So you know, it was uh, it was something for for those people who partook in that to see if that would uh, if that would interest them. So. Anyway, thanks for joining me on this little bit more lighthearted episode from what we have been doing. Um, I do have quite the Halloween idea coming up for the entire month of October. Um, if you want more information on that, go to the website, www.genxord, G-E-N, letter X-O-R-D.com, and go to the page that says episodes and upcoming topics. And you're going to be able to see what I'm going to do. I'm going to break it down. 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. But there is too many really good horror movies for me to focus in on just one. So I'm going to be kind of doing them as a decade episode. So, hey, we'll see you next week. We're going to do uh, The Muppet Show. 
So, hi-ho, Kermit the Frog here. Yes, hi, Kermit. How are you? Um, I understand you're going to be on the show next week. Yes, Rob, that's absolutely right. And I'm going to try and maybe get Grover, and he'll come in here, and we'll have maybe the number of the day from Sesame Street, which I think will probably be the number 69. Kermit, stop doing that. You're making very... Uh, that That's not appropriate. I don't know what you mean. Miss Piggy seems to like the number 69. Stop. So, until next week, thank you very much, and we'll see you then. Bye, everybody! This has been Generation Extraordinary. The views and opinions are mine and mine alone. Any claims of time travel are purely fictitious. The music and audio clips are not mine, and in most cases were downloaded through my paid YouTube subscription and are only used for entertainment purposes. GXO is a production of Popeye Enterprises. Its host, creator, producer, and editor is Robert Pop. Co-producer is Harley Quinn Pop. Special guest voice actresses are Ariel Pop and Rachel Lyons. For more information, support, or to contact us, go to the website at www.genxord.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>